Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We're glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you would hear His voice, our Father, we are your sheep. We're in your sheepfold, and you're standing at the door, and you're guarding us. And you're protecting us, and you're leading us to the future. We don't know all that that is, but we know we can trust you if we will just turn to you, if we'll understand that you're our God, if we will listen to your voice. And I pray in the days and the weeks ahead, you will help us to do just that. I pray that Brother Andy and Sharon and their family will have great peace in their hearts and rejoicing and and get some very special needed rest in these days ahead and help us, our Father, to be faithful, to be your people. Let us not just keep our church together and go forward and go through the motions. I pray that we will grow and that we will increase and your ministry in this church, in this community, in this world will be enhanced because of what you're doing through us. Bless us this morning, our Father. Let us hear your word. Let us heed that word. And let you bring into our lives what we need. In Christ's most holy name I pray. Amen. Well, are you prepared? For things to be different, it's going to be, and I very definitely lay no claims on being Andy Davis. He is a beloved man and loved here, and we will continue to do so. But we're going to go ahead and be God's church, aren't we? We're going to go forward, and I want us to do it. So we're going to be dealing with a very special theme throughout this month, and we're going to be talking about... uh, Keep seeking God, seeking God more than anything else, and that's going to be our theme. But the first thing I want us to do, and you do this with me, just take a big breath. We're still breathing. We're still there. Now, it's a different life. It's a different life for me. My wife Judy and I have, during the years that we have been here, we have, we have been on eight international mission trips together. Five of those we have traveled to East Asia and, and seen God do some amazing things. Three, we got to participate in our ministry in Moldova, and we have seen great things. And now throughout this year, we have mostly been at home. Uh, I mean, we've not gone anywhere other than to church or to the store and here. And we were talking the other day, and, and Judy gets bored faster than I do. Uh, she just hired motivated and she was saying we need to go somewhere we need to go somewhere and I said all right I've got a plan and I went into the office and I found a great big map of the world and I came in and I put it on our refrigerator and I said when when this virus backs off and when when I'm not needed to do some of the things I'm not needed to do we're going to take an extended vacation she said where are we going 
And I said, you're going to choose. And I handed her one of those darts that has the magnetic tip. And I said, you throw this at that map. And wherever that lands, that's where we're going. Well, folks, we're going to spend two weeks behind the refrigerator. Okay. I learned a long time ago watching Johnny Carson, don't step on the laugh, let it go. All right. We took a breath, we've had a laugh. We can still laugh. We can still have joy together. Now in God's word, we're going to be doing something that I consider very special today. We're going to be setting the standard for moving forward. There are two scripture passages in just a moment that I'm going to put together and read for us. One of those is from Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 13. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. And then the second one will be 2 Chronicles 7, 12 to 14. And those two verses will go together, or two passages, to help us understand. Now, I use the New American Standard Version. It's a little different from the New International, but they're very, very similar. Today we're going to talk about the impossible wall that we're facing as God's people, as the church and our church. It seems that uh, sometimes things seem to be impossible that are not. Do you remember going to college? The first week of college, if you were taking a full load, you went to each class and received a syllabus, and you you met a professor, and you saw all this work that was going to be expected of you, and every professor seemed to think their class was the only one you were to take, and you were to study real hard, and you thought, I cannot do this. This is impossible. And yet you did, and you did that because of good hard work. But sometimes we face impossible walls that we cannot handle. Jericho's a good example of that. God brought those walls down. So there's some walls that we need God to bring the walls down. Our task is to discover which is the difference and trust God to help those that we cannot tear down ourselves. That's what the the sermon is all about today. We're going to seek God first in our lives. We're going to seek what God wants us to be during the month of of November far more than we seek what we want in a new pastor. Let's start with the first point, what God wants. What God wants and what God wants of us. That's the beginning point. From there, we can start thinking what we would like to see as a pastor. But I think the guy that God has in mind is the right one. We've just got to position ourselves to find him. So let's remember that. Sometimes also along the way, we have to spend some time in the wilderness before we get to the promised land. You know, the Hebrews weren't supposed to spend 40 years in the wilderness. They wound up doing that. But the wilderness is not necessarily a bad place. I listened to a sermon by Tony Evans. Some of you may be familiar with him. He's a well-known preacher. And one little thing in that he said that when God sent Moses to the Hebrew people to speak 
and to the Egyptian, he didn't speak to the Pharaoh and say, God says, let my people go so they can reach the Holy Land. He said, let my people go so they can worship me in the wilderness. Sometimes it's in the wilderness where we meet God and where we find God. Remember what Jesus did? He went into the wilderness for the temptations. And there the word of God was bubbling up in his own heart. And he knew how to handle everything. So these next months or year or whatever it takes for us to find the pastor may seem like the wilderness. But folks, we're just getting ready for the promised land. It's okay. And we will be just fine. I say let's embrace what we have right now and let God lead us. Now let's look at our scripture and then I'm going to share some things. If you would, as we normally do, would you stand as I read these verses to you? Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And then from an earlier time in the book of 2 Chronicles 7, 12 to 14. Then the Lord, excuse me, then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place For myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Yes, we're familiar with impossible walls in our lives. There's a children's author, he does other things as well, named Bill Myers. I had a chance to meet him years ago and hear him teach a lesson to fifth and sixth graders on how to write. And he said, when you're writing a good story, you always have your characters face an impossible wall something they cannot get around on their own, and it's very hard to achieve. And he said, and you you write in there some way that they get around that impossible wall. And, you know, I got to thinking about it. He was right. Look how much we enjoy that in literature and in movies. You ever seen a Harry Potter movie? I know the group this afternoon, uh, later this morning, we've all seen all of the Harry Potter movies. But what does young Harry Potter do? He faces the evil Lord Voldemort over and over again. It's always an impossible wall. I thought about that. That's interesting. Well, what about the Hunger Games? The impossible wall. What about Star Wars? It just won't go away. I mean, our son was like three years old 
when the first Star Wars movie came out and we, we were reluctant to take him to the movie, we thought it would scare him. We thought he would never sit still for it. He spent the whole time standing with his arms on the back of the chair in front of him watching that movie. What was it all about? The good Jedis and the evil empire? The impossible wall? Same thing with Lord of the Rings? Same thing with so many? But is life like that? Certainly life is like that. There are some impossible walls in our lives. And let me tell you the big one to start with. Sin and death. No way you and I can pay for or get around the wall of personal sin and spiritual death. Only God can take care of that and pull that wall down. And he did it with Jesus on the cross. There are impossible walls. There are others that we face in our life. Temptations. Sometimes the temptations create an impossible wall to us because they grip us. Grief can be an impossible wall, certainly seemingly, and it does take a lot of prayer and a lot of time and a little closeness with God to bring that wall down. Personal failure, addictions, fear. Oh, there's a huge wall of fear right now in our country. Not only is there fear, there is hatred and there is violence. Are you concerned about what's going to be the result of what comes to a head on Tuesday when we vote? By the way, you need to go vote. You need to go vote your conscience. But are you concerned and a little afraid of what might happen? Certainly. Who can fix that? God can fix that through his people, if we will do it. Oh, there are so many things that I could give as a list of things that are impossible walls, but in Christ they can be brought down. Is it an impossible wall that our church faces right now with that retirement of our beloved pastor? I hope you're praying for him and for Sharon and their family today that they're having a day. You think it's awkward for you to listen to me preach? Think how awkward it is for them For Andy to not be in this place at this moment. I hope you're praying for them. It is a change in their lives. There are a lot of bricks in our wall. I've already alluded to it. The very worrisome political environment. There's an uncertain future. COVID-19 has affected everything. And if you read the news, it's about to get worse. That brings fear. What about our move to our new building, our new location, and the challenges to do that? Not everybody in our church is is really in favor of that. We have a shortfall of funds. How long will it take to find another beloved pastor who could possibly stay another 32 years? So many questions, so many bricks in this wall, and we face that. And we have questions, but let's reflect from the passage I read to you in the book of Jeremiah. And let's think about that for a moment, the situation. The nation of Israel to the north had already fallen to the Assyrians. They had been annihilated and assimilated into other places. Jeremiah knew what was going to happen. He perceived that, and he saw the handwriting on the wall, if you want to call it. 
that Babylon was going to come and Jerusalem would be destroyed and the temple would be destroyed. Everything they truly treasured was going to be brought down. And that's what they faced at that moment. But God, he says, had a plan. What was that plan? He said in verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that what we want? First Baptist Church, Belton, don't you want a future? Don't you want to see all the good things we do expand and grow and be even more in the days ahead? I know that's what I hope for. What we need to do to make it happen is to have a relationship with our God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's available to us, each one of us and all of us collectively. We too need the forgiveness of the sin that slips into our lives from time to time. We need a healing of our land, and Christians can be the ones to initiate that and to cause that to happen. We may be entering a new wilderness situation where we need to learn how to trust God a little bit more than we have. We may have become a little comfortable. But more of the promise is in verse 12. He says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Do you want your voice to be heard? You know, I, I do serve as an elder. I have from the from the beginning with, with a year off in rotation. I hear the voices of people with their opinions, and they come and share with me because people want to be heard. We all want to be heard. Well, so does our God. And that is our task. Let's listen to His voice first. Listen to His voice first. And He says, I will call, come when you call and when you pray. I will listen. Isn't that good to know that He will do it? He will help us with the impossible wall. However, Let's be truthful. It's on his terms. It's on God's terms, but they're good terms. They're beneficial terms. And he has some requirements for us. Verse 13, he says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. It can't be half-hearted and it can't be half of us or two-thirds of us. We all who consider ourselves believers and members of this wonderful church, we all need to seek God's will. We all need to do that and move forward and seek Him more than we seek His blessings. That's that personal relationship. We must seek God first. In other words, we must want what God wants more than what we want, and that will help us move together, all of us doing that. Then later... In the time of Solomon, as we read the passage that is there in Second Chronicles 7, when he said, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, well, we need some repentance. I'm not saying there's any big outbreak of sin in our church. I'm just saying that what we always need, we need it every day, every moment of every day. We need a spirit of repentance in our lives. Because we need that closeness with God. We need to be able to seek His face. And when we do that, 
When we do that, then we can move forward. But what we have to do is we have to trust Him. And as I said, and I will repeat this, we must want God first. Why? Because He provides the foundation on which we're to build. On which we're to build. He provides it, and we go to the foundation He has for us. And the promise, He says, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. If we want a division in our country stopped, it will have to begin in the Christian community. No one else, no one else can bring that. Only believers in Christ. And when we, when we do that, He will heal and He will forgive. He will change our culture. He will bring us in line. So how can we put what I've just said to you in those, in those truths? And by the way, I watch very closely on the time. So you can take another deep breath and relax. Okay? I have a voice that does not go for a long period of time, and I've got to do this twice this morning. All right. First thing I want to say to you, we can trust God in His good plan for our future. And I repeat, it's more about us becoming the people we need to be than it is in seeking what we want in a pastor. God already knows that. We need to understand what God has done in our past. And I think I don't have to go over a big list of things this morning because during these last few weeks, we've celebrated what we've done in the past. And it's been brought to our attention in the kind of church that we've been and what our church is doing today. My goodness, we're a mission-minded church and it's blessed my life. And we're planning for the future. Even before we have a new pastor, we're thinking about another new church plant in the future. Isn't that great? We're looking forward when Renewal Church is is completely self-supporting itself. Won't that be a great victory? We're doing stuff right now. We have staff that are not just sitting back and saying, well, what are we going to do? I don't guess we can do anything till we get a new leader. No, they're not. They're doing their jobs. And I think you would, yes, they are. I have been assigned to work with them over this interim period and my position as as an elder. They're doing it. Let's do our job and get ourselves ready by being this church and keep doing things. Let's keep supporting our latest church plant. Let's support that new way of doing missions that seems to be very effective in the way the money is gathered. Let's keep meeting in creative ways no matter what COVID-19 has done. I don't like teaching on Zoom, but I'm thankful we can. And I'm I'm thankful right now. I hope it's all working well that we're being live streamed. And if it's not, I know it's being recorded and it will be out there. We're doing things. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep meeting. Let's keep moving forward. You know, right now, we're a doctrinally sound church. We have a foundation. We're doing something. We've got people at work. I want you to know my life has been blessed by the, the men that God laid on your hearts to recommend as elders. I'm telling you the fellowship and the leadership that, that these men bring, be thankful for them. We have so many dedicated deacons in this church who are serving and doing things, and nobody ever notices them. 
they're just doing it. I teach a Sunday school class in adult four, and there are a lot of couples in there of different ages. And I look around that class and I keep seeing, here's a volunteer, here's a volunteer, here's a volunteer. So many people are doing things. That's what we're supposed to do, and we are doing it. We are a New Testament congregation. But what about the future? Let's move to the future. He said, I have plans for you to give you a future and a hope. Do you believe it? That's what I want to know. Do you believe it? Well, if we believe it, let's do it. And let's let God guide us into that. You don't need me. I'm just one voice up here this morning preaching a sermon that I hope motivates us. All you need is to open God's Word and listen to His Holy Spirit, and we'll go forward. And I encourage you to do that. He has a future. We have a hope. Will it be just like we've had in the past? No. It's not going to be the same. Our building that we're looking at, it may not be what we envisioned. I don't know what it will be, but I know if we put it in God's hands, it's going to be great. Whatever we do, it's going to be that if we all pray, if we all trust, then it will be measureless and beyond anything we can imagine. But we've got to trust him with all of our heart. Why? Because we have to build our foundation on Jesus. So that's point number one. Point number two is we can be encouraged by some biblical examples. This is one of the favorite things that I ever do when I preach and teach. is look to the scripture and learn from what God has been doing. Think about the impossible wall that Abraham faced. 75 years old with a 65-year-old wife, and God comes and says, you're going to have a child. I'm going to build an entire nation out of you. I'm going to bless you. Your nation will bless the world. This is going to be great. Can you, can't you just see the look on Abraham's face? And he's saying, how is that going to happen? And God said, you go in faith. And what did Abraham have to do? Listen closely. Don't miss this point because you've got to the point where you're settled in now said, get up and leave where you are and go where I take you. Go to the promised land. We can't just sit where we are for an interim period and do nothing and just look to the future for the future. I challenge us, let's get up and move forward as a church. Let's trust our God and do it. Now, do we have to go through the wilderness for a while? Yeah, Abraham did. Twenty five years before Isaac was born. Now he's really old now. Do any of you guys remember Scott Brookshire? Oh, he was a great part of our church. I, I hope he's live streaming or will watch this because Abraham was older even than Scott Brookshire. Okay? That's just a, something to keep you awake this morning. All right. So they trusted and Isaac was born. So that impossible wall came down. And then God did the most amazing thing. When Isaac was a child, he said, Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice this child to me. And in faith, again, in obedience, Abraham prepared. Now, God never intended that. God is not the God of killing children. God wanted everything in Abraham's heart to be committed. And so Abraham was going to do it. God stopped his hand. And Isaac lived, and the future went on. You see, that's what we need to realize. Abraham trusted in faith. 
Abraham obeyed the command. Abraham did all that sacrificially. So there's an example that the impossible wall came down and that nation was built. Joseph, Abraham's great, great, just great-grandson. Sometimes I forget the number of them. Abraham's great-grandson, Joseph, was the favorite in the family. He was the 11th born, but he was the favorite, and his brothers hated him. And he went to check on his brothers at his father's insistence, and they first thought they would just kill him. They hated him for his position and his special coat. Instead, they threw him in a cistern, and then they brought him out of the cistern, and they sold him to slave traders, and he wound up in Egypt. So much for Joseph's dreams for the future. Inherit everything, and now he's he's a slave in Egypt. But it settles down, and he, his owner, Potiphar, sees his qualities of how dedicated he is and honest, and he brings him up in the house, and then he gets accused of sexual abuse by Potiphar's wife, and he's thrown in prison with no future except that dungeon, an impossible wall. But God brought him out. Joseph didn't do it. Joseph did not interpret those dreams because of his own ability. He interpreted the dreams of the Pharaoh because God gave him the interpretation. And as a result of that, he came out of that prison. He rose to the second in command in all of Egypt. And when his own family needed a savior to save them from the famine, it was Joseph who did that. Wow, he gave them a future. And so God's promise to Abraham continues. You know who my next example is if you follow chronologically? It's Moses. We know how Moses wound up in the wilderness because he made a rash decision and killed an Egyptian and fled and spent 40 years there in the wilderness. By the way, that was a learning time. That was a time to discover what God had for him and how to live in the wilderness. And then God came to him in the burning bush and said, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. I've got a job for you to do. And Moses argued with God and He couldn't quite grasp all of these things. But finally, through this beautiful passage that tells us about that interaction between Moses and God, he agreed. He agreed to do the impossible. And what was his weapon? A wooden staff. Nothing magical at all. But God sent Moses to do the impossible. One man to face the Pharaoh. You know the story. I don't have to tell all that story. It took 10 plagues. But after 10 plagues, God was the one who delivered them from Egypt. And they headed out. But as I started out this morning, where did they go first? Into the wilderness. Oh, another one of those miracles was the crossing of the Red Sea. But we don't have time for that. That was God doing that too. But it was in that wilderness was that's when they met God. That's when they received the law. That was when they realized how personal God can be. And God took care of them in the wilderness. And so another impossible wall was taken care of. But one of my favorite stories we don't say a lot about, a little bit, it came time for them to go into the promised land. It's time to take the next step. 
And do you know what they did? They sent 12 spies spy out the land. And they did, and they came back with a report. And in that report, they said, yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's an amazing land, but it's filled with warriors and walled cities. We can never conquer that nation, those nations that are there. Listen to this in Numbers 13, 27, and 28, if you're a note taker. Numbers 13, 27, and 28. Thus they told to Moses and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they brought back all this stuff. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. I'm a Bible student, and I read through that passage, and I saw that word that's in my version translated fortified. And uh, for all of those of you who like to look stuff up, that is the Hebrew number 1219 in Strong's Concordance, and it's the word batar. And here's the definition of that word that was used right there, meaning fortified. It means inaccessible, enclosed, fortified, impenetrable, impossible. They literally came back and said, it's impossible for us to defeat the people of Canaan. And you know what the result was, don't you? They spent 40 years in the wilderness because of their lack of faith. But there was there were two guys with them. We must not forget Caleb and Joshua. Caleb and Joshua said, we can do it. If God's with us, we can do it. But their voices were ignored, and they had to wait. But by the way, those two faithful guys, Joshua and Caleb, Joshua got to lead them across the Jordan River eventually, and Caleb was given Hebron as a place to live very quickly because I know what time it is. Much later in the Babylonian captivity, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were people who would only worship God, only worship God. And they found themselves in the fiery furnace because of it. That's an impossible situation. That's an impossible wall. Fire consumes people. But God was there with them and they survived it because it was God's will. Same thing Daniel. He refused to stop praying to the one God and was thrown into the lion's den. And God was with him there and the mouths of the lions were shut. This meant a prayer and dedication and humility. You see what I'm saying in these examples? It's just this. Let me say it very quickly. We need the faith and obedience of Abraham in our lives. That's not just an Old Testament story. We need the integrity, the morality, and eventually the forgiving spirit of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. We need the courage of Moses to be one man, trailed by his brother, I understand that, but one man to stand before Pharaoh and say, God says, let my people go. We need the foresight and the trust of Joshua and Caleb. We need the commitment to worshiping God only like those three men in Babylon and to pray consistently like Daniel. Yes, they were all in the wilderness, each one of these in a time of testing, and they proved true. Now, finally, let me wrap this up. 
We can trust God in the promises of the New Testament. It's not just an Old Testament sermon. It's got the New Testament. In Acts, excuse me, Mark chapter 9, very interesting situation took place. A man brought his demon-possessed son to the apostles, and they couldn't heal him. And then Jesus shows up, and the man speaks to Jesus and said, Your men could not do this. And in verse 23 of Mark 9, he says, or verse 22, he says, If you can do anything. If you can do anything. I know sometimes if and and, uh, since are there, but in this case, the context is if. If you can do anything. And Jesus responded in verse 23. And Jesus said to him, If you can... All things are possible to him who believes. How much do you believe God has a future for us? A good future. At First Baptist Church, Belton. Jesus had the power and the authority to bring about any healing on any soul on any day, and he healed that boy that day. And I think it's kind of interesting, and he said this kind of thing in verse 29 only happens through prayer. Folks, we've got to pray. All things that are impossible with people are possible with God. That's Luke 18:27. Philippians 4:13 says, "I can do all things through him who strengthens me." Do you believe that? Whatever he wants you to do, can you do it? I think so. I know so. We can do that, and by doing that, we encourage others. How do we and I repeat, how do we? Show others that we love God. We have faith in his call. We obey the call. We become people of morality and character and forgiveness. We humble ourselves. We're forward focused. We're faithful to worship and to prayer. We're faithful to build what God wants us to build. And we do it together. Can we overcome a financial struggle over a new building? God wants it and we want it and we're willing to do it. Can we survive COVID-19? Yes. And be even better for it. Can we lead this church into the future? Can we find another 30-year pastor if God wants it? Can we grow despite the challenges? Yes. Can we continue to plant new church plants? Yes. Can we once again resume our international missions that we've done so much in the past? Yes. On one condition, If we seek God first and what we want second, did you hear that? If we seek God first and what we want second, or maybe not even second, maybe way down here on the bottom of the shoe, what we want personally. Let's seek what God wants. He breaks down the impossible walls, and what do we have to do is trust. My wife, Judy, loves to listen to Lauren Daigle. And her songs and the words of her songs. I want to bring this to a conclusion here by reading you some words from one of her songs. It's called Trust in You. Letting go of every single dream, I lay each one down at your feet. Every moment of my wondering never changes what you see. I try to win this war, I confess. My hands are weary. I need your rest. Mighty warrior, king of the fight. No matter what I face, you're by my side. When you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. 
when you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust. I will trust. I will trust in you. Truth is, you know what tomorrow brings. There's not a day ahead you have not seen. So let all things be my life and breath. I want what you want, Lord, and nothing less. I will trust in you. You are my strength and comfort. You are my steady hand. You are my firm foundation, the rock on which I stand. Your ways are always higher. Your plans are always good. There's not a place where I'll go where you've not already stood. In choir, I know you've sung this song before. God knows where he wants us to go. He's standing there now. Let's join him. But you know, if we're going to do that, it will be all of us realizing that the impossible walls can come down. The impossible wall that stands between you and God in salvation, Jesus has brought it down. You remember what he did when he died on the cross and breathed his last. The veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Understand it was some 80 feet tall and several inches thick. God pulled it apart. He will do that for you personally. Can you trust him? Can you be a part of this church moving forward? If you will turn your life over to Jesus Christ, if you will trust him to be the wall breaker, the breaker of your sin, the breaker of your doubt, the breaker of your fear. Submit to God, and the blessings are unmanageable, how great they are. Now you join me again as we pray and prepare for our invitation. Thank you, our Father, that you speak to our hearts, and you do so every day. Thank you that you're the God who breaks down walls the impossible walls that we cannot break down ourselves. And I pray that if right now there's someone that's standing in front of an impossible wall of fear and doubt and sin, they'll let you break it down and that they will trust in you and that you be their Lord and Savior. Help us now, our Father, to be your children, your people, your church, and go where you lead us. In Jesus' most holy name I pray. Amen. Let's gather. Gary will lead us in our time of invitation. Are you in a weekly Bible study? If you are not connected with First Baptist Belton and one of our small groups, we'd love to have you. Sunday school classes meet every Sunday morning from 945 to 1045. No matter what age or stage of life you're in, we have a place for you. 